appreciate all of the people involved in the ministries that they're in. And also just to turn the screen on up here too. So that'll help me out a little bit. We've been going through the book of Colossians. And um, have you noticed there's a lot about Jesus in that book? (laughs) There's a lot about Jesus in that book. And uh, today we're going to look at only Christ, nothing else. Um, Jonathan and I kind of have an ongoing thing that we kid each each other on. Uh, He's pretty convinced that the only grill is a charcoal grill. (laughs) Do we have a witness here this morning? (laughs) And I'm kind of of the persuasion that if you can click a button that turns on quick and you throw food on it, you know, it's just kind of my kind of grill. So, but anyway... um, in Jonathan's book, he does humble himself for the church barbecues and use our gas grill. But but it is an act of humility, I understand, because only Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul, he was just consumed with Jesus. And uh, my goodness... Just consumed with Jesus. I want to start, this isn't a verse in our text today in Colossians, but I wanted to start with this verse. And uh, he was writing to the church at Corinth, and he was reminding them of when he came. And it says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, Accept Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, all I'm bringing to you is Jesus. It's not going to be my talents. It's not going to be how I can say words really eloquently. No, I'm just bringing Jesus to you. And as we read through the book of Colossians, again, we just see Paul, it's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. Because people were trying to add stuff to Jesus. And he said, no. It's Christ. Let's go to um, Colossians 2. Starting with verse 6. And and this is stuff that I've already gone over, but I just want to read through it until we get to today's text. Now, there's some words that are underlined. Whenever we get to them, I want you to say those words. Okay? Now, we'll see how well you were listening. Here we go. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord... Continue to live in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than for all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness, who is the head over every power and authority. And we'll continue on. You have to start this time. You were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Now, these are texts that I have been teaching on already, so I won't spend a long time on them. But what he's talking about here is, is before we had Christ in our life, we were spiritually dead. And we were actually slaves to the sinful nature. 
It was our master and we were slaves to it. But when we received Christ as our Savior and received him as our Lord and the one who died for our sins, Scripture says at that point we were in him, he was in us, and he did this, he circumcised us. Now the Jews would have understood that, that was part of the Old Covenant, but what has happened here is he cut off the sinful nature. The carnal nature. He cut off its power so it was no longer our master because we have a new master now. Who's that? It's Jesus. So it was no longer our master. Can a Christian still sin? Yes. Can a Christian still be tempted? Yes. Is a Christian helplessly bound and enslaved to sin? No. No. Because it was circumcised. That that dead, sinful, carnal nature was circumcised. Cut off. It can still try to influence us, but it is not our master. It does not rule. So anyway, verse 12. Having been buried... I know, I caught you off guard a little bit. We'll do that again. Having been buried in baptism and raised through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Okay. Again, I've, I've taught on those things, so we're going to start something new. But, but Paul is saying... It's all Christ. Now evidently there were teachers that were coming into the church there in Colossae and they were trying to add other things. It's Jesus plus keeping the law. It's Jesus plus doing these things. And Paul is saying, no, it's Christ. Period. That is your hope. That is your salvation. So today, my first point... Christ alone is our righteousness. Now, I actually taught on these verses a couple weeks ago, so I'm going to kind of speed through, but I needed to tie uh, this and what's coming together. Christ alone is our righteousness. So, our text, Colossians 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. We were dead. What can dead people do? Nothing. I've never seen a dead person do anything. Okay, Dead people can't help themselves. Dead people can't work their way to heaven. Dead people can't do anything except be dead. Spiritually dead. When we were spiritually dead, and there was nothing we could do. Scripture says, God made us alive. We didn't make ourselves alive. God made us alive. When we came to the point where we realized, my only hope is Jesus. And that's it. I'm putting my trust in Him and what He's done for me on the cross. And I am submitting my life to Him and and want Him in my life. God made us alive. He made us alive with Christ and He forgave us all our sins. That's good news. Some people smile when they think about that. You guys smile when you think about that, right? Made alive. Forgiven. Christ alone is our righteousness. Now, again, in Colossae, there was some teachers that were bringing in some more stuff, and Paul is having to deal with that. And they were saying, no, you still need to keep the law. It's Christ plus keeping the law. Um, But he's going to show us in these verses here that that's not the case. See, 
when you're in Christ, are you under the law any longer? You don't seem convinced on that. When you're in Christ, does Scripture say that we are still under the law? No. Now, what I say doesn't really matter, but what Scripture says matters a lot. And Scripture says that we're no longer under law, but we are under grace, the favor of God. Okay? That's what Scripture says. So, God's law demands absolute righteousness. Flawless righteousness. That's what his law demands. And God's law, which is holy and which is from God, condemns us if we fail. It is written, we didn't do it. You shall, we didn't. You shall not, we did. It condemns us. But Christ fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law when he lived a perfect, sinless life. He was the one and the only one who came to this earth, took on the form of a man, walked as us, and fulfilled the will of God completely. Walked in the perfect will of the Father. Never out of the will of the Father. Never. He fulfilled all righteousness. But the scripture says that when he was nailed to that cross, he basically traded places with us. He who knew no sin became sin. Our sins were placed on him, and he died for our sins. Scripture says that he became the sacrifice for the sins of the world. But in return, he offers us his righteousness. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's just, we'll look at that verse in in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And it says, uh, I took the first part of verse, or excuse me, the last part of verse 20. Be reconciled to God. Be restored to a right relationship with God. God made him who had no sin. Who's that? Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that... Ah, you're, you're on it. In him. Some of you missed it. Let's do it again. So that we might become the righteousness of God. You realize it's not even our righteousness. It's the righteousness of God that is on our lives. When God sees us as righteous, it's not our righteousness. It's his righteousness on us because of what Christ has done. Christ alone is our righteousness. God felt so strongly about this. Do you know what he did to the law? It's in the next verses coming up. But I said this two weeks ago, so you all remember it really well. What did God do to the law? He nailed it somewhere. He nailed it to the cross. It's only through Christ that righteousness can be attained. Let's just, let's go there. You don't want to hear me talk about it. You want to see it yourself. Colossians 2, 13, the following. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Verse 14. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and it stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. 
Now, I talked a lot about that two weeks ago, so we're going to kind of go through it quickly. But he's talking about the Mosaic Law. He's talking about the law. Okay? And uh, keeping the law as a means of entering into relationship with God came to an end. It was done. It was only through Christ. And it's hard for people to embrace because we so want to do something. We want to do something. We like to earn things. And God says, you will never earn my forgiveness. And you will never earn salvation. Never. The only way you can receive it is as a gift. Well, I, I want to please you. Yeah, you can please me. Follow my will. Follow my word. Please me. But that's never earning your salvation. Now, it's really quiet in here. We can spend <clears throat> a lot of time in our Christian lives mixing up law and grace and Old Covenant, New Covenant, and try to mix them together. But God never intended for them to be mixed together. Once Christ was sent and once Christ was on the cross, God nailed the law there also. But the law still has a purpose. The law is to keep leading people to Jesus. It shows them their sinfulness. It shows them their hopelessness. And it's to lead them to Jesus. But it'll never be a way, a means of achieving righteousness. Its purpose is to lead us to Jesus. Okay. It goes on to say this, <clears throat> that the uh, spiritual powers and authorities were disarmed. So let's take a look at that. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Principalities and powers, I believe is talking about spiritual principalities and powers there. Uh, excuse me, powers and authorities. Previously in this very same chapter, it said that Christ was over all power and authority. And now it says that he has disarmed. God has disarmed the powers and authorities. How did he disarm them? They could no longer use the law to condemn us. Satan ever condemned you before? Lately? <laughs> it's what he does. And he could take the law to do it. He could come before God, and I spent time talking about this a couple weeks ago. He can come before God and say, your word says this, and that person broke your word. You have to punish them. They need to be punished. He could use the law. But God says, it's not happening anymore. I'm nailing it to the cross. Satan's not going to be able to use the law anymore. God, they broke this law. And God says, well, they're no longer under the law. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed them and made them righteous. You can't use that against them. You can't use that against them. He's been disarmed. And just how, you know, Satan has wanted to publicly shame us. I mean, in our life, he wants to public, he wants to get us into, into sin and publicly shame us and stuff. But God turned around and did that to him. 
instead of Satan publicly making us a spectacle, it says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, God, made a public spectacle of them instead. Triumphing over them by the cross. So what is, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, it's Christ. Your salvation is Christ. It's not, it's not the old covenant and the new covenant together. No, that one's been nailed to the cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross. He fulfilled. And the old covenant, it's fulfilled its purpose. The law is still there to bring us to Jesus, but we don't try to keep the law to be made righteous anymore. Well, why do Christians want to be good? Does anybody in here want to be good? Does anybody here want to do right? Sure we do, because we have a new heart. When Christ comes into our lives, he gives us a new heart. Instead of wanting to not get caught sinning, now we want to stop sinning. It's a new heart. Comes with another set of struggles, okay? But anyway... He's given us a new heart, and we're not trying to earn our righteousness. But don't you just want to please the Father? That's our heart. Jesus simply said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's how you express your love. That's how you show that your heart is for God. You're wanting to walk in his will. With the challenges and the ups and downs that come with that, but you're wanting to walk in his will. You are not trying to earn your salvation. That is in Christ alone. Do I sound like I really mean that? I've tried to do both. I've tried Jesus plus the law. Have you ever tried that? Jesus plus the law to be righteous? How well does that turn out? Comes with a lot of condemnation. Comes with a lot of failure. Comes with a lot of pride if you think you're doing pretty good. You know, but it's Christ. It's Christ. So, <clears throat> Christ alone is our righteousness. The second point, Christ alone is the focus now. And he starts talking about different things. Uh, eat, what you eat and drink and, and religious festivals and Sabbath day and stuff like that. So, let's do that. Therefore... Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Now, you know, maybe in our mindset we don't really understand what that was saying, but back then they certainly would have. And one of these study notes that I went through says this, what you eat or drink probably refers to Jewish dietary rules that the false teachers were trying to push on the Colossians as another requirement of salvation. So, what you eat or drink. And... Uh, See, that doesn't matter anymore. What you eat or drink doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't make you any more holy. It doesn't make you any less holy. It doesn't matter. Then he goes on to say this. <clears throat> Next part of the verse says this. Well, let's just read the whole thing. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration... <laughs> Or a Sabbath day. What's he talking about there? Well, again, I have to study and I have to read, you know, find things out. It says the phrase, a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, probably refers to certain required holy days of the Jewish calendar. Paul teaches that a Christian is freed from legal and ceremonial obligations of this kind. 
Why? Because it's Christ. It's not Christ plus anything. Paul talked about this in Romans, in another place where people had different feelings about this. And let's just take a look at it. Romans 14, verse 5. One man considers one day more sacred than another. There's a certain festival, it's very sacred. There's a certain whichever, it's very sacred. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. You know, it doesn't matter to me. Every day is from God. I'm not pointing out a single day as being more special than another. How does, how does he handle that? Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. He who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. What's it saying? These are a shadow of the things that were to come. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Clint, you're just like leading the way here. I appreciate that. That's good. The reality is found in Christ. Now, I was going to uh, cut out an outline of my shadow for an object illustration. And it was getting later, and I thought, you know what? They can just use their imagination. So this, this is my shadow. You can see my muscular features are displayed in there, okay? We all have a shadow, okay? Well, it depends on, you know, how direct the sunlight is and all that stuff, but, but you have a shadow. And Paul was saying the shadow was the food, the meats, the certain days, the certain feasts. He said that was a shadow. But the reality is Christ. The reality is Christ. He is the fulfillment of everything. Does that mean we throw the shadow away? Not necessarily. Depends on what the person desires. So if honoring certain days is meaningful to somebody and it causes them to be even more focused on Christ, then fine. It's fine. But they shouldn't insist that other people do it and honor that day. And it, it, it's whether you honor certain days or not, the huge issue is, is Christ the focus? Is he the focus? I don't feel a need to honor certain days. It, it, I just don't have that need. It's, it's not in me. But I want Christ to be focused on. So if I'm not really honoring certain days, Jewish calendar or whatever, God doesn't mind. As long as Christ is the focus in my life. If somebody wants to honor certain days, that's fine. But as long as Christ is the focus of it all, He's glorified. He's exalted. Now if I tell you, stop doing that, God doesn't tell me to tell you to stop doing that. And God doesn't tell somebody to tell me I have to do certain things. 
It, it said, you know, whatever's in your mind, you know, whatever's meaningful to you. But the point is, Christ is the reality of it all. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Paul is trying to get these people to see. You got teachers coming there. They just keep trying to add stuff on to Jesus. It's Jesus plus this that causes you to be right with God. It's Jesus plus that that causes you to be right with God. And he's saying, no. No. It's Christ. It's Christ. Now, how is a Christian supposed to live? What's his life supposed to look like? Good works, things like that. That's next week, chapter 3. Jumps right into that. Okay, But Paul wanted to clarify this first before he went into, okay, now that Christ is in you, these are things that should be flowing out of you. Okay, But he wanted to clarify this first. So, Christ alone is our righteousness. Christ alone is the focus now. And the next thing we're going to look at Staying connected to the head is what brings true spiritual growth. Staying connected to the head. Who's the head? Christ. And we're going to see that. He's going to clarify that. Christ is the head. So, in our text, Colossians 2.18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Okay, let's just take a look at this. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility. In the um, religious or spiritual circles, which can be a broad range of things, there can be false humility. There can be true humility and there can be false humility. I believe that true humility is a humility towards God's word and submitting to it. If you're showing a humility towards other things that are contrary to God's word, then I would say that's a false humility. Uh, let's just look. Um, James 1. Take a quick look there. Kind of started with the second half of verse 21. It says, Humbly accept the word planted in you. And what's the word that it's talking about there? It's God's word. It's talking about God's word. It's talking about the gospel and God's word. And he says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Humbly. So don't let anyone who delights in false humility. I mean, humility toward, shown towards anything else is false. Humility that is shown towards the word of God is true humility. There will always be spiritual and religious teachings that are unscriptural. There has been for a long time and there will be till the day Jesus comes back. There will always be religious teaching and spiritual teaching that, is, that does not line up with God's word. You know, we need to be fully convinced that this is true. Because there's all other kinds of things out there that try to say otherwise. Um, 
The worship of angels. This is one of the study notes. False teachers were saying that angels could be called on and worshipped as mediators in order for people to make contact with God. To Paul, calling on angels would, would mean failing to recognize Jesus Christ as the supreme and sufficient head of the church. Do we need to go to anything or anyone else to get to Christ? No. We don't need to go through angels. We don't even need to know all about angels. We can know what scripture shows us, but beyond that, why speculate? Well, let's just follow what God's word says. Do we need to pray to people who have died and been declared saints? No, that doesn't follow scripture either. That doesn't follow scripture. We, we, just, we need to know what God's word says. And, and it's always pointing to Christ. We can go directly to Christ. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us. Boldly come into the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and help in a time of need. Boldly come into his presence. We can do that. Well, it goes on to say, back to our text here, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Don't let them get you off track. Christ is the focus. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his, what kind of mind? Unspiritual. People can talk all sorts of spiritual lingo and have a completely unspiritual mind because they're dead. <laughs> they're spiritually dead. Okay, Without Christ in your life, you're spiritually dead. And, and it's going to be um, unspiritual mind. Until Christ comes in. His unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. A person can go into great detail about the revelations they saw or heard. Don't listen to them. If Jesus isn't the focus. If Christ is not the focus of their great revelation. Just let it go. Let it go. It's Christ. It goes to say in the next verse, what's happened is, is these people here, it says, they've lost connection with the head. They've lost connection with the head. Let's take a look at that. He has lost connection with the head. From whom? Christ. From whom the whole body. That's, that's all of those people who have received Christ as their Savior. The whole body of Christ. From whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Christ is the head of the whole body. And it's not Christ and the law that's the focus. It's not Christ in certain food or certain days that's focus. It's Christ. And it is God who causes his entire body to grow spiritually as it stays connected to the head. Pastor, I am getting so tired of you telling me to read the Bible. Stay connected to the head. 
Pastor, I'm getting so tired of you just always saying we need to, you know, abide in Christ. Abide, yeah, abide in Christ here, abide in Christ there, abide in Christ all over the place. Yeah. You need to stay connected to the head. Pastor, I'm strong enough. I can go quite a while without reading the Bible and praying and, and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I put in a lot of time in the past. Stay connected to the head. Jesus is the head. Stay connected to him. Well, how much time does that take? I don't know. That varies from person to person. I found I need quite a bit of time. <laughs> I found in my life there's more time than others to actually spend time with the Lord. There's seasons you go through. But find time. Not everybody's like me. I get paid to be close to Jesus. That's pretty awesome. You're probably not paid to be close to Jesus, but... <laughs> I am. You guys are paying me to study the Bible. Praise God. It's awesome. Now, in these, in these days, it's becoming more and more critical, really, to stay connected to the head because they're deceptive, and it's, it's a challenge. And so many things are, are acceptable now. We need to be careful. But Jesus is sufficient. He's sufficient. It's not Jesus plus a secret teaching you've heard over here. No, there's not that many secret things out there. I mean, it's just the plain good old Bible, okay? I mean, and there's not a lot of hidden secret stuff in there. Well, maybe there is, but I am not intelligent enough to see it. So what I see is just pretty clean. Okay, it's just like the stuff that everybody would see. But the Bible talks about us getting a a larger grasp of Christ. We don't need to learn a ton of new things, but we need to know Him fully. And we need to know God. Scripture says, everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us through our knowledge of Him. Just knowing Him all the things that we need for life and godliness comes out. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about just every, your everyday walk. What stuff do you put on? What stuff do you take off? The Bible is just really simple. Put on this, but take off this. And we're going to go through that next week. Well, <clears throat> let me wrap it up here. Strict rules and discipline don't help us Overcome sensual indulgence. Strict rules and discipline don't help us. We've got the law. Did the law help us overcome sinful indulgences? It didn't. It pointed out the standard and it showed us when we didn't meet it. It didn't help us overcome but it brought us to Jesus. Jesus, you are my only hope. I've tried to be good and I can't. I keep failing. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, help me. Also, I'm going to be your head now. Okay. Now, I'm going to help you overcome. Rules and regulations do not help us overcome sinful indulgences. Okay, let's just read this because what I say really doesn't matter. Let's read it. Colossians 2.20 Since you died with Christ, 
because when we, when we received Christ as our Savior, we died with him to our old life, and we were raised with him to a new life in him. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, how this world thinks, why as though you still belong to it do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. There's certain, you know, no, no, you can't eat this food, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, that's holiness. No, 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 no. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Okay, let's finish it off here. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. Seems good. You can look at other religious groups and it seems like, wow, those are good things. You know, those are good moral things. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. I will make my body submit. Beat yourself for your sins. Whatever. But they lack any value. Yes, Clint, would you please lead us in this right now? But they lack any value Rules and regulations lack any value in restraining us from doing the wrong things, having the wrong desires. But who gives us victory? Christ does. We have a new life in Him. He is the strength of our life. God has placed His Spirit in us. By the help of His Spirit, we overcome the lusts of the flesh. It's a new life. So, Let's just wrap it up. Only Christ. Nothing else. Christ alone is our righteousness. Christ alone is the focus now. If observing certain things causes you to focus even more on Jesus, fine. Fine. That's okay. But it's it's not an absolute necessity. Christ alone is the focus now. Staying connected to the head brings true spiritual growth. Making promises that you will never do something again does not bring true spiritual growth. Staying connected to Jesus. If you stay connected to Jesus, you will grow. You will grow. Don't get discouraged. Discouragement is one of the huge things that the enemy will use in people's lives. Why? We have a new heart. And this heart says, I want to follow God. We have an old nature that wasn't annihilated. It was uh, circumcised. It's no longer our master. But it's still there and it still will try to plague us. And sometimes we fail. I've heard that happen sometimes. Sometimes we fail. But we remember, okay, Jesus, your blood cleanses me, and I'm sorry. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he'll cleanse us and forgive us. And he says, now, walk with me. Let me be the head again. And... And we just get up and we go again. How many times can a person fall in a day? 
Give me a number that's happened to you. Come on, just shout it out. No, just, no, just kidding. No. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to hear any of that, okay? I don't, I don't need to hear any of that. Peter said, Jesus, how many times do I forgive my brother in a day if he sins against me? Seven? That's pretty good. Space that out. That's like every what? Three hours or something? And, and Jesus said, no, no. Seventy times seven. Keep forgiving. I tell you, that's the way God is with us. As long as we have a sincere heart. If you're trying to play the system, that's a whole other issue. But if you have a sincere heart, God, I keep failing in this. Yes. Now ask for my forgiveness and get up and let's go again. Keep him as the head. Don't add the law to your life. Focus on Christ. We are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. We are. I see victorious people in this room today that the devil is trying to draw away from Jesus, but victorious in Christ. All right. I said I was going to try to make my sermons shorter. And I'm going to do my best to do that. So we're going to close there. Could I have the worship team come up? We sure appreciate the worship team. Sorry. let Pastor Zach pick the song that will bring the anointing of the Holy Spirit in a mighty way.